0: Well, I'm so glad to be with y'all this morning. Man, I'm telling you, I'm so glad. Yeah, it's so good to be with y'all. I know it's been a, it's been a long haul. Is the sound okay? If, if I'm having issues, just let me know. Like, I was born with a small head. Like, seriously, it's not normal. It's kind of like a shrunken head. Like, my ears are small. I can't fit anything on my head. But I think that God gave it to me to maybe make my smile look bigger. I don't know. Anyway, it is what it is, and if it bugs you, somebody say something, and I'll switch over to the handheld, but this is my first time using this, so bear with me. But yeah, look, I've had this message, oh gosh, on my desk since January, so I'm ready to give it to you. (laughs) Hope that's okay. So how about we just pray and go ahead and get started? Father, we just thank you for this time. I thank you for your spirit that is with us that is in us, that is all around us. Lord, I thank you, God, for your word that um, just speaks so clearly to us, Lord. And, and so, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that your anointing would be upon us and give us grace to have ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning, God. Lord, I pray that we would hear it, that it would sink into the, um, the deepest parts of our soul, and that, Lord, that you would just help us to um, connect with you, In, um, in a new way, God. We thank you for this time. I thank you for these ladies. I thank you for divine covering over their lives, God. And I thank you, Lord God, that you, Father God, are gonna just bless them and honor them for their efforts to come here, God, to, um, to meet with you, God. I just thank you for this time. Lord, have your way. Help me, God, to, um, to rightly divide your word, God. Lord, I don't wanna give opinions. I want to give you truth and so father I just pray that you would help me even in my articulation of this message lord so father I just commit myself to you father and lord I know that they are sitting in the pews committing themselves to you father we commit ourselves to you and we thank you father for uh for your uh the grace to be here this morning in the strong name of Jesus we pray amen amen okay so as you know uh our theme was what's holding you back correct we've if if you um if you were intend intending on uh, uh attending our first conference that we had planned we had this this theme going on what's holding you back and um and so honestly i kind of feel like this question is more relevant now than it it was initially in march considering everything that we've gone through since march Um, You know, 2020 has been a year layered with trials, right? (laughs) And um, please encourage me. I can use the amens. Um, But it has. It's been a year layered with trials. You know, you think think about the whole scheme of things. You know, we had the pandemic within the world. Then we had the injustices within our country. Then we have the struggles within our families, in our relationships, right? We have conflict, we have illnesses, we have trauma. And then we have personal trials, those physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, internal things. And so one thing has not taken the place of another. They've merely just kind of piled on top of each other, right? I don't know. Does it sound right to you? For some of us, it has. And so um, for some people these experiences are really have been a driving force you see it you can see it in people it's been a driving force for others i these pilings if you want to call them have just kind of left them paralyzed and held back and and there's there's many there's many uh degrees of that even within this group of ladies this morning you have some of you that are just y'all are just gung ho to all the way to this um Part of where there are some people that are gripped with fear and so and so that 's why I really feel like um, this morning and today it 's just really relevant for us this message that I feel like the lord has uh, was had put inside of me back in january and um I want to share the scripture we all know we 've been quoting it over and over again now if you if you don 't know it by now it 's because I mean, it's all, we, it's, I feel like we say this scripture almost every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time we get up here to speak, we quote this scripture because it's so relevant. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says again, and if you know it, you can quote it with me. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now looking through the natural eyes at everything that's happening now, this scripture may seem inapplicable to some, right? You might, you might be in a position where you've been through some stuff and you're like, I I don't, this, this scripture does not connect with my current situation and what's going on in my life. Right now I feel like God has turned a deaf ear and a blind eye to me. Like I feel like he has Just left me hanging. There are a lot of people that feel that way. And so they don't feel like this scripture is current in their lives today. They feel abandoned. They feel like God has left them. God has forsaken them. God has abandoned them. However, you know, this scripture was, uh, in Jeremiah. If you, if you, if you look it up, Jeremiah wrote this in a letter to God's people back in 596 B.C. So if you think about it this was written in 596 BC and it's current today and I'm my hope and my prayer is for you to have the revelation of how relevant it is for us today once I'm done so we'll, we'll journey through there and we'll get there but my hope is that you will you will be able to connect with it today just like God's people did back in 596 B.C., before Christ. Five, almost 600 years before Jesus came was when this was written. So um, why is this scripture relevant today as it was back then? So to understand the intention behind the passage, that one passage, we need to understand the events surrounding it. Okay? So this passage, Jeremiah 29.11 Is one part of a letter that Jeremiah wrote to the group of God's people who were captured and carried over into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. They were, they were captured by a king, the king of Babylon. They were, and they were carried over and imprisoned in Babylon. They were, if you, again, if you study that scripture, they were in captivity for 70 years. So imagine being in this coronavirus for 70 years that we would have to live our lives in the captivity of this, of this epidemic, of this pandemic. And so the purpose of the letter was from um, Jeremiah was to give God's people encouragement while they were in their captivity, and it was to reassure them that God had not cast them off, that he had not abandoned them, and that he had not disinherited them. He He told Jeremiah, I want you to write this letter to my people. I want you to encourage them because they're going they're, they'll be in captivity for 70 years, but I want you to know that I'm still with them. I haven't left them, I haven't forsaken them, and I haven't abandoned them. And so we are going to, um, I, I don't want to preach to you this morning. I kind of want to do like a Bible study, if that's okay. Because we're really going to camp out on this passage of Scripture. And so, you know, the, 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 the my theme or my message, I'm calling it What's Holding You Back. And so within this passage, we're going we're gonna to study it together. We're going to find revelation. We're going to find some... Um, some things in it that what the Lord wants to speak to us, like what he was speaking to them, he wants to speak to us. And so because it's called what's holding you back, uh, my goal is to to um, um, allow the Lord to start movement in your life. Right. We don't want to be held back. And so we're going to I'm going to use words like respond, uh, move, shift, you know, lots of action words. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna put some action words to try to get this going. All right, so we're gonna start in Jeremiah 21 and we're uh, 29. We're gonna read one through 14. Okay, y'all ready? All right, I'm almost ready. Okay, it says in verse one, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And then verses 2 through, two and 3, he begins to list them. So we're going to skip through that. You can read that later. So we'll drop to verse 4. And it says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile, Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to you and bring you uh, to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, and I will be founded by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So we see here this letter of encouragement that God would, uh, uh, wanted Jeremiah to write to his people. I have not abandoned you. This is, this too shall pass. You're not going to stay here forever. There's some things that you're going to learn through this, but then I'm going to, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to, I have a plan and a purpose. I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to bring you back from the place where you were held captive. You know, sometimes trying times will make us feel gridlocked. It'll make us feel stuck. Kind of like we're treading quicksand. Have you ever felt that way? Can I see hands if you felt that way? Good. Well, not good, but you know. I understand. Okay, connect. I'm connecting. So, you know, according to this passion, this passage, God's people uh, were kind of, they, they were the same. It was the same for them. They were in horribly troublesome times. And, um, and they were struggling, right? However, if you read the passage and you see how God was instructing them, you can tell that God was trying to talk them out of their pit, right? And so, but even in their grim situation, God encouraged them do not, to not let their trials stop them from living life. Don't allow your trials to stop you from living life. And this is the thing. God gave them two things. To actively focus on. And that's what we're going to cover this morning. Two things God gave the Israelites to actively focus on. Movement. Actively focus on. So that they could just continue to move forward. So that their situation would not hold them back from the promises of God. Okay, y'all ready? The first thing he told them to actively focus on, number one, is their attitude. My attitude, I'll say my, I'm going to try to say me, my, to keep the focus on me so that no one feels, (laughs) because it's really, I mean, I've read this over and over again and preached it to myself quite a few times. Attitude, Jeremiah 29 verses four through seven. This is what the Lord almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Look what he says. Do not decrease. Verse 7. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of what? Of yourself? No. Of the city in which I've carried you into exile. Have a good attitude about your... That place that you're at right now. So what is God telling him? He's saying, he's saying to them, basically be optimistic. Don't look at what's going on around you and, and, and see that as your future. Be optimistic, live your life, make the best of it. He's saying, do not decrease. What he's meaning there is uh, don't be diminished. Like don't focus or wallow in your captivity. He's saying, don't tire yourself from the despair of the situation. We do that. We get, we get, we we get, uh, we tire ourselves from despair of what's going on around us. I don't know. I've felt that way. So exasperated, so tired, so weary from everything that's been going on. He says, refuse to be a, ca-, he's saying, refuse to be a captive of the environment that you find yourself in. You know, we can be a captive of the environment we find ourselves in. He's saying, seek peace. Do everything in your power to seek peace. There's, um, there's two quotes I have for you from two of my favorite, um, authors, speakers, preachers. Uh, the first one is John Maxwell, and he says, what separates people who thrive from those who merely survive is how they face their problems. And then Tony Evans, who uh, is again one of my favorite, um, speakers, you know, his wife just recently passed away. If you know, if you're familiar with Tony Evans, dynamic power couple in, in, in spiritual leadership. And she, she not, she not, not too long ago, she passed away. And Tony Evans, after his wife had just passed away, said this, life will have loss life will have pain. Life comes with struggling. But how you view and respond to that suffering will make all the difference in the world. So I wanted to look up the definition of attitude. As you know, I love definitions, correct? So this is what the definition of attitude is. It's a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something that is typically reflected in behavior. A settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something that is typically reflected in behavior. So it's a thought or a feeling about someone or something that, ref- that is reflected in our behavior, in our actions. So what they're saying is our behavior the way that we respond or react to someone or something is going to expose our attitude about it. It's going to expose our attitude. So what that tells me is that our attitude is not really, a, is not merely a thought. It's an action. And it'll determine the direction that we're going to move in. We're going to either move towards God or away from God. It's like a steering wheel. Our attitude will either steer us towards God or away from God. So I want to ask you a question, okay? I asked myself the question and I was disappointed in, in the, in the answer. And, um, and so anyway, the question is this. On a scale of one to ten, if you could rate your attitude about our current situation, our current happenings, how would you rate yourself? One being negative, ten being positive. In light of everything that's been going on, how, how would you rate your attitude towards it? You don't have to call it out loud, but just a, um, a question of reflection, self-reflection. You know, you see, the degree to which we handle our Babylon will be the degree to which we will handle our promised land. Think about that the degree that you handle your babylon the attitude that you have within the the uh, trying times will be that the attitude that you will have in your promised land if you can't find joy and peace in your trying times you will never be you will never be satisfied even in your promised land but here's the cool part god told them Live your life. He said, you know, have a good attitude. But then I love this about God because he doesn't leave us to try to figure out things on our own. Right. With every with every command that God gives us, there's also a how to. We have to sometimes search that out. So we can't we can't say, God, you didn't tell me how to do you are just telling me to do this, but you didn't tell me how it's it's in the word. I guarantee you it's in there. But he's giving us the opportunity to search that out. Scripture says when we seek him, it says there, right here in Jeremiah, when you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart. And so when God gives us a command, there's a how-to in there. We have to seek it out. So how to ma- how to maintain a positive attitude? It's really, the, it's one word that you've heard over and over again, and that's prayer. We maintain a positive attitude When we have a regular prayer life, a healthy, consistent prayer life. Look at Jeremiah 29 verse 7. It says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. How? Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So basically, do you feel stuck? pray do you feel bogged down discouraged do you feel a uh, captive in in your situation pray don't just pray and don't just pray for yourself pray to the lord for the place you see prayer moves us we're held back we're stuck but prayer will move us prayer will move us two ways prayer will move us vertically And prayer will move us horizontally, right? Prayer moves us in the direction of peace and prosperity. Pray to the Lord for the city. You see, the king was a heathen. He was an enemy of God and the church. So God was telling them to pray for their place of captivity. God was saying, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who offend you. Pray for those
1: who want to
0: hold you back. Because in your mind, you're thinking they are the ones holding you back. But we're going to get to that later. But pray for them. So prayer will move us vertically. And then prayer also moves us horizontally. Prayer moves us in the direction of God's mercy and deliverance. Jeremiah 29 verses 12 through 14 says then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And listen, he says, and will bring you back from captivity. Prayer not only moves us, prayer moves God. So my attitude will expose my prayer life or lack thereof. You see, whenever I am most cranky, and I'm seriously talking about myself, when I am most cranky, when I'm negative, when I'm critical, when I'm pouting, when I'm exasperated, when I'm offended, when I'm angry, when I'm frustrated, it's usually when I'm praying the least. You can ask my husband. When I am the most positive, the most encouraged, unmoved, empowered, fruitful, pleasant to be around, it's usually when I have been in consistent fellowship with God. James 5.16 says this in the Amplified. I love this. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults. I just did. Your slip-ups, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. And look, it says... And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Pray for others so that your attitude can be healed. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working, it says. Dynamic in its working. So when I am in regular fellowship with God, I can be sure that he will be faithful to keep me in check regarding my attitude. Will I be perfect? No. I will I will flub up, I will fail, I will drop the ball, I will trip up. However, it will be quickly addressed by the Holy Spirit. Right? Can anybody relate? Can I see some hands? Show me some hands. If you, if you connect with that, show me some hands. Thank you. Result, the result's going to be brokenness, repentance, tenderness, and humility. And why? Because the, it's the movement of the Holy Spirit in my life. Right. Movement of the Holy Spirit in my life. Got it. All right. Number two. God encouraged the uh, the Israelites, his people, to actively focus on where their trust was placed. Where they had placed their trust. Jeremiah 29 verses eight through nine. It says, yes. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. You see, they were getting impatient. And so they were making things happen in their own time in their own abilities, and in their own way. It said, do not listen to the dreams that you are encouraging them to have. It's like they were imposing their will. This is what I want to happen, so I need you to, I need you to make this happen for me. Instead of relying on God, they were relying on their own strength, on their own ability, tapping into their own, their own source rather than the spirit of God within them, their fleshly source. But God was saying to them, shift the source you're trusting in, shift it off of you and onto me. You know, the scripture that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding, right? And then in verse 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope in a future. So trust me, don't trust, don't trust yourself. You see, a low view of God during a crisis allows the crisis to own our emotions. But a high view of God means that the crisis will not have the last word. A low view of God during a crisis will, allows the crisis to own our emotions. Yet a high view of God means the crisis will not have the last word. You see, trusting God honors him as Lord of my life. When I trust God, I'm saying, God, you are Lord of my life. And I I give you permission to take, up, take that place in my life. I'll move out of the way. I will step off of the throne of my heart. And I will give you the highest seat in my heart. It gives him permission to move me in the direction he wants me to go in, which is always the best direction. And it makes room for his anointing to flow through me. See, whenever I'm in the way, I'm a barrier to the Lord's anoint, for, the, for the Lord's anointing. But when I step out of the way and I trust him, it makes room for his anointing to flow through me. Psalm 20, verses 6 and 7 says, Now I know the Lord saves his anointed." He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember and trust in the name of the Lord our God. Trusting God is believing that he knows what he is doing when he is not doing what I want him to do. Trusting God is believing that he knows what he is doing when he is not doing what I want him to do. You see, we get angry with God because God won't fulfill our demands. God, I gave you a list of what I wanted. I wanted this, 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 my plans, and you didn't meet them. You, I can't check them off, so I'm mad at you, God, because you didn't answer my, my demands. But God never promised to answer our, our demands. He, all, he only promised to, to answer what he said he would do. He said, I know the plans I have for you. They're not your ways. They're mine. They're higher than yours. They may not seem that way and they may not look that way because of the situation, but they are higher. They are greater. We can trust God with a promise he's made to us, not a demand we place on him. In verse 10 of Jeremiah, it says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. That was his promise to his people. And so was it that, that too long for them? Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure we would probably be the same just like antsy ready to get out of the situation. But God had a greater God had a greater picture. He had the full picture. They didn't have the full picture. And, and we're the same way. We don't have the full picture of our lives. God has it. And so we have to trust that, that what he says, that he has a future and a hope for us, is gonna happen. That we, we can't, we can't gauge it on what's going on in our life currently. Okay? So how to shift your trust in God? How do I shift my trust into, from myself to God, you practice the art of letting go. You practice the art of letting go with faith that God will come through. It's not just about I'm letting go, forget about life, I'm letting go. It's letting go with faith that God will come through. You know, I was trying to think of an example how to explain this, Lord. And I felt like the Lord said, think about a trapeze artist. You know, you ever been to uh, a big top or you've seen the trapeze artist there? You have one person on one side and you have the other person and they're, they're swinging on those bars. And so you, the person on this side has to swing and then has to let go to get to the other side, and they have to grab onto that person holding them. So they have to trust that that person is going to catch them, correct? That's very important. However, they can't trust that person if they don't first let go of the bar that they're hanging on to, right? And so it takes faith that this person on this side is going to come through and catch them. So letting go moves us. So another question, what do I have to let go of? What is God telling me that I have to let go of? I'll ask you, what are you holding on to? What are you placing your trust in other than God? The tangible
1: successes,
0: abilities, accomplishments. Sometimes we don't even want to let go of our own failures. In our own pain, we're holding on to those things. We don't trust God to, to, uh, to give, to let go of them and, and grab onto Him. Why is it so
1: hard to let go? Well, because
0: sometimes those things are familiar and comfortable. Our identity lies in those things. Our our value and worth lie in those things. It's
1: the safety of a self-made environment. Maybe because it's the security of the accomplishment.
0: Or maybe we're ashamed of the failure, and that's why we don't want to let it go. We don't want to expose ourselves as weak or vulnerable or we are afraid to get hurt again.
1: These are all my reasons. What were yours?
0: Someone said, God doesn't want to give us the expectations of our fears or our fancies, but the expectation of our faith, that which causes all things to work together for our good. And so we have to practice the art of letting go. Of the good things and the not so good things. And so, just to recap, two things that we need to actively focus on that the Lord was showing the Israel, his people. First, attitude. Attitude. Focus on that. And number two, trust. And we do that by learning to let go. So, the question for me, What's holding me back? Is it COVID? Is it a person? Is it a failure? It's
1: me. What's holding you back?
0: So, probably the majority of you know this already. I can't not share it because it just happened, and you if you um if you follow me on Facebook you saw the pictures. But um this happened to me on Tuesday. Doug, you can go ahead and put up the So uh this happened to me on this this Tuesday, a few days ago. my pla um I had some plans that day. I had made my own plans. God had other plans. You look at that and you think, it's not to prosper me for sure. But I was on my way to the orthodontist. I had an orthodontist appointment. And then um, afterwards, I was, um, I was coming to the church. I was coming to bring all the, uh, the, the decor that we. That, I mean, it was a lot of decor. Obviously, there was not much left. But if you see in the trunk, that brown box, in that box were, was all the decor just shattered to pieces. So, yeah. It was pretty sad. Yes, yeah. But, um, so, yeah, so I was at the red light at Congress. Um, I the The light turned yellow. I knew that there was no way, because I was still a little bit far back, and I knew that there was no way I was going to be able to get through the yellow light, that it was going to turn red, and sure enough, it did. So so I put my brakes on, and I came to a complete stop. And as soon as I came to a complete stop, I have a habit of looking in my rearview mirror, just to make sure. And whenever I looked in my rearview mirror, there was a Ford F-250 Super Duty truck, um, that did not put on his brakes. Um, he didn't, he didn't see me. He didn't even see the red light. Um, he was just going full speed ahead. And so he obviously plowed, well, you can see the truck. He obviously plowed right into me. Um, he never braked. And so I looked in my rearview mirror and I, the first thing, the first thought that came into my mind which is amazing because later on the Lord just really revealed it to me. The first thing that that came through my mind was, this is happening. And so all I could do was curl up like this. I had my hand on the steering wheel. I curled up in a ball like this, and I just braced myself. So when he hit me, because I I knew he was coming, when he hit me, it just kind of, threw my whole entire body forward. So I wasn't flailing around or anything like that. I was just one solid piece. And so I just kind of, I had on a baseball cap. The baseball cap hit my steering wheel. My cap flew off into the back seat. Um, just la if you, who, if you, I know that there are people who've been in accidents where they've been hit from behind, you know, that that sound, the sound of that, cr- that crumbling metal and that breaking glass. It's, it's almost, it's traumatic, the sound, you know. It's, and so I heard the sound, um, and so um, I felt the blow. I felt the, and so I, whenever it all happened, I just kind of sat there for a second, and um, I looked up, I looked around, assessed the situation, made sure that I wasn't, you know, trapped or anything. I, I just, I didn't know what condition, because my eyes were closed, so I didn't know what I was going to open my eyes to. And, um, and I got out of the car. Well, before that, the young man came to my car door and he said, I'm so sorry, ma'am. I don't have a driver's license. And, um, I said, okay. Um, I said, are you okay? He said, yes, ma'am. He said, I've already called my dad. He's on his way. Um, and, um, and I called 911. I said, okay. And he was very apologetic. And, um. He said, I don't have my license. He said, I'm I'm so scared. He said, I'm just coming out of hard times and I don't know what to do. And I said, um, I said, Sir, were you were you looking down at your phone when you hit me? He said, No, ma'am, I was looking at something in my rearview mirror. And um I said, Um, does your dad know that you're driving this car without a license? Because it was his dad's truck. He said, Yes, ma'am, he does. His dad allowed him to drive with you no know, license. And so um, I said, okay, well, and so I walked around, assessed everything, saw the damage, whatever, called Todd first and then 911. Todd is my 911, I guess. But um, marry a man that will be your 911. That's all I got to say. And... um and so I went to I walked around the back and I noticed something in the back of his truck and so whenever I walked back there he had three teenagers in the truck with him and so I figured that that's probably what, probably what he was looking at whenever he was he said I was looking at something in the rearview mirror so he, so he literally he never he never even noticed that the light was red he was just coming and so um so again, I felt fine. I got out of there other than being emotionally shaken up. Um, I had some anxiety that day. I, I didn't have a scratch. I didn't have a scratch on my body. I didn't, yeah. And so, um, so, you know, I have, a, there's a lot of people that I know. I have a lot of friends in the past. And even now I have some friends that are recovering from wrecks that are similar to this that, they were not so fortunate. Um, I have friends that were in wrecks like this from years ago, and they're still having neck problems, back problems. Like, they were not as fortunate as I was. And, um, and so they said, well, you know, you might feel fine now, but, um, but I'm just telling you, in the morning, you're going to feel it. And the third day is even, is even going to be worse. So just prepare yourself for that. And so I said, okay, and I appreciated that. I took the, I took their advice. I used their wisdom. Um, I uh, I took some, you know, Tylenol or whatever, just something to help my body relax so I could rest. And I prepared myself to wake up the next morning like this. And so um, I had eaten some watermelon that night. <laughs> and so before bed, and so I had to get up a few times to go to the restroom. <laughs> and so first time, second time, third time when I got up it was like 2:30 in the morning and and I and every time I opened my eyes I was like okay am I going to move and so I would just pop, I just popped right out of bed and so I thought well surely I would be stiff by now it's 2:30 in the morning and so I woke up the next morning sat up nothing I mean I was just fine got out of bed not i mean just like no pain no stiffness not even a headache i went to the gym that morning i um stretched really good i did some treadmill i didn't overdo it but cuz i did, again i wanted to use wisdom but i was fine the third morning woke up fine i mean i've been fine ever since i ha- i have not had not even a headache from this from this thing and so the first morning the first morning that i woke up after the wreck um I was sitting on my back porch, and I was processing everything that happened. If you've been through inner healing and you know me, we process. We process situations with the Lord, correct? And so I was on my back porch spending time with God and processing what had just happened. And um I started thinking about the potential of what could have happened to me, like myself and even others being extremely injured or even killed. Because of the stories I've heard and the things I've seen from other friends, and, and, um, you know, not an airbag deploy. So I wasn't injured by any airbags. Um, he could have very well shoved me into that intersection. I was the very first person at the red light. He could have shoved me into that intersection and, and really did some major, it was Ambassador Caffrey in Congress, traffic on Ambassador. He could have shoved me right into the middle of that. My car barely slid. Um, Penelope could have been in the back seat. Penelope was is with me a lot. On, on this side, on this right side where you see it's mostly smashed in, you see the glass is broken, in the back seat was her car seat full of glass. She could have been really hurt. And so I just started thinking about all the stuff that could have happened to me that didn't, and um, I really... I
1: really um I really just got
0: overwhelmed with um with gratitude and humility because I did feel a sense of guilt that I was able to walk away when so many other good people that I know like People who are good people, who love God, they're not so fortunate. Why me? Why Why would I be able to walk away from something like that and not other people?
1: And so, excuse me. We've buried people that have had wrecks like this.
0: And so I was just processing with the Lord. And I just felt like he showed me two things through this experience. Number one, I really do believe that the Lord used my car in that spot at that time to possibly save this young man's life and potentially many others. Because I was the first one at the light. If I wouldn't have been there, he'd have probably, because he wasn't watching, he would have ran the light and he would have ran right into that traffic. In that truck. And, and from visiting with him and hearing him talking, you could tell that he probably did not know the Lord. And so, you know, knowing God, I feel like I would have been fine either way. If I if I'd even gotten killed, I'd have been fine because I know God. I know where I'm going, but I don't know if He knew where He was going. He didn't know God, and so I don't know. Perhaps, maybe God was just giving him another another shot. I I don't know, but I I believe that the Lord use the situation to save his life for sure but um, secondly the reason I feel like the Lord showed me that I walked away without bodily harm is not because I did anything to deserve protection it's not because I am better than anybody else or that God loves me more than anybody else or because I'm a pastor's wife and you know, that's a. It, I don't. I. I don't feel like that's why God saved me because I'm. I'm a have the. You know, I'm this better than now person. You know, I believe He loves us all the same, and so. You know, I. I don't know why some good people get affected by this and some don't. I just. I know that God loves us all the same no matter what. And it's not something we do or don't do to deserve whatever the outcome is. And so I guess I'm trying to say this to encourage people who who have been through this that have not been so fortunate. It's not because you did or didn't do something right or wrong. It's not a punishment from God. He loves you as much as He loves anybody else. He loves us all the same, no matter the physical outcome. But I believe that the Lord was saying to me, And I kind of wrote it down because, um, I just journaled it down. I felt like the Lord was saying to me, Tanya, I want your physical condition out of this wreck to represent what I desire for the condition of the souls of my children to be like after a critical life event. Your mind, your will, your emotions you know my body came out physically well but it doesn't always happen that way right people get injured what really matters is how is our soul gonna be after this event our mind our will and our emotion
1: Doug put that picture up again
0: see this can represent a life situation but it doesn't have to represent our souls in that life situation. And, and for me to be able to go through that and walk away, I felt like the Lord said, this, I was able to do this. walk." O-. Jesus paid a high price to give us eternal life. You know, he didn't take necessarily, uh, we may get stung by life, but Jesus came to take away the sting of death. And so no matter what life has to offer us here, we don't have to feel the sting of it. We don't have to feel the sting of death. We don't have, Our souls don't have to be in this condition after a crisis. You know, we have plans, but God has better plans, right? What, is, what are his plans for us? To give us a future and a hope. And here's the thing. We want to look solely on this planet as our, for what our future and our hope is on this planet. But heaven is our future. Jesus is our hope. And so when we can really get get that in our spirit and get that in our soul and hold on to that, then we can get our eyes. We won't be so tied down to what's happening here in the natural. You know, again... We get plowed from behind, and life looks like this, but we don't have to necessarily look like this. Will we feel it? Yes. Will we see it coming? Sometimes. Will it affect us physically? Yes, sometimes greater than others. But after the dust settles and we assess the situation and process the event with God a God who loves us all the same no matter what, if I may add, we can walk away with our souls intact, healed and whole. And so I'm going to close with this. I want you to think about something that you might be going through right now. And think about whatever, what I said earlier, the thought that came to my mind. When I looked up in the rearview mirror and I said, this is happening. What can you say as far as something that's going on in your life
1: right now that you can say this is happening? How's your soul? Could you close your eyes? Thank you. Just take a deep breath. And then release it. Invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. and ask yourself this question. What's holding me back? Is it my attitude, Lord?
0: If so, Lord, help me Help me with my prayer time. Help me in my devotion with you. Is it my trust, Lord? Show me what I'm placing my trust in other than you.
1: Forgive me, Lord, for trusting in other things.
0: Help me let go and turn to you, Lord. there's a scripture that says have this attitude which is in Christ but we can't have the attitude that's in Christ until Christ is in us so are you that you you that lady in here this morning that can say i i haven't had a good attitude and i haven't been able to trust because i i haven't surrendered my life to you lord Not fully, anyway. If that's you, can I pray with you? There's nobody looking around. Can you just lift your hand and just kind of identify yourself just to me so that way I can connect with you? If you say, I need you, Jesus, I need you to, I need to surrender my life to you. Now, can we just pray this prayer together? Jesus, help me. Help me in my attitude. Help me to trust you. Lord, I open up my heart to you. I surrender my life to you. I invite you to be a part of my life, the main part of my life. I give over the control to you, Lord help me to trust you. Help me to let go. I need your grace even to let go. Help me in my attitude. I can't even pray without your grace. Help me, Lord. Show me, God, what I need to do to draw closer to you, God. I just want to be closer to Lord, I don't want to be afraid of man who can kill the body. I want to fear you who can can kill the body and the soul. Lord, I, I don't want to lose my life and my soul. I surrender to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we just come to you today, Lord, and we just ask you, Father, for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Teach us, help us. Lord, this this earth is going to pass away. Our lives are going to come to a close on this side of heaven. But Lord, our spirit and our souls, God, can remain forever with you God and so Father I just pray for these ladies I thank you for the blessing that they have been to the body of Christ Lord I pray God that you would continue to encourage them where they are Lord those who are in a good place encourage them those who are in a Babylon of some sort God like the Israelites were. God, I pray that you would continue to encourage them and, um, Lord, continue to, um, reassure them, God, that you have not left them, that you have not abandoned them, that you are not forsaken them, God, that you are with them, God, that you do know the plans that you have for them, plans to prosper them, plans to give them a future and a hope, Lord, that you are their hope, heaven is their future, and Lord, their souls is what you desire, that you paid the price for, that would remain intact, that would remain healed, that would remain whole. Lord God, I thank you, Father, for your son Jesus that took away the sting of death. Lord, it's way more important than the sting that any life could offer us, is that you took away the sting of death. And so, Father, we celebrate that, we rejoice, and we thank you for God, the work that you've done, to give us that privilege and that honor to be called your your daughters. And it's in Jesus' precious, holy, powerful, strong name we pray. Amen and amen.